let's open up by reminding everyone that God is on the throne. The coronavirus seems to be ever-present in our conversations, and this asks a serious question of how the church relates to fear. What is the Christian response to moments such as these, and how should we live our lives? Today in our conversation, we're going to be focused on how the church responds to fear, danger, and the panic that the world throws at us. The spirit of the age believes that one of the purposes in life is to avoid suffering. But this is not at all a biblical worldview. So, welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure, and it's produced by church clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and there are a few other with me here in the studio today. I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow. Pastor Anthony Alegria. I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And Pastor Mike, while you're there, will you go ahead and pray for our program today? Yes. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to gather today. And Lord, we pray for your wisdom to come upon your people, especially our viewers today, Lord. And um, as we, we look to the virus and sickness and wellness, and Lord, we just pray for common sense uh, for our people, for your people. We pray, Heavenly Father, for those who are victims of, of diseases all over. And pray, Lord, for your grace to be there and for your people to lose the the chains of fear to go in and help and and lord we just uh continue to ask for your presence and your love in that christ's name we pray amen amen and the main chunk of our conversation is going to be talking about the coronavirus but also using that as a framework to really discuss how the church relates to fear as a whole what is the purpose of of christianity how do we relate to fear things of that nature so let's get some quick facts out there about the coronavirus and its state in america so during this last week of March 1st through 8th, so it's a little bit of a week before now. Again, you've got to have that time frame in order for statistics to be accurate. Um, everything, again, today's March 13th, but everything between really the 9th and now is a little bit up in a toss. But during the week of March 1st through the 8th, there were about 40 to 80 new cases a day, and that was closer to 40 for most days. In the U.S. In the U.S. Yeah. And how many cases are there total in the U.S., you might ask, and how many deaths are there? So at the time of this program, which is again March 13th, 2020, there are about 1,629 confirmed cases in the U.S. and there have only been 41 deaths according to the CDC. So another question that you might have is you hear a lot of people out there who are commentators, we are commentators, we're pastors, we are theologians, um, but the people who actually work in the medical field, what are they saying about this? Well, generally they are coming and saying the following. Try to avoid people who are sick or meeting in large groups. Stay home if you are sick. Cover your cough with a tissue or cough into your upper sleeve or elbow. Do not cough into your hands. Wash your hands as often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, or as long as you can sing through a verse of holiness unto the Lord, for those of us who are Nazarenes. In this need to wash your hands, it is especially true after going to the bathroom, before eating, and after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If soap and water are not readily available, use alcohol-based hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Always wash your hands with soap and water if your hands are visibly dirty. Avoid touching your mouth, nose, and eyes. Um, so we look at this as a whole, and there is a danger in the fact that our medical systems, our systems here in the U.S., they could be really put in a state of overflow where a lot of people get sick at once as opposed to like a mass amount of the population getting sick, just enough people getting sick at once that the hospitals and things get overflown. And we do know that as far as symptoms go, they range from being very serious to where people are taken to the hospital and in a lot of other cases where people don't even know they have it. They don't have any symptoms at all. 
So people who are at most risk for this are people who already have a compromised immune system and they're obviously at a higher risk. And for the rest of people who have a generally healthy immune system, the generally healthy people, it's not a big risk to them. So before we get into our main conversation, um, and again, a lot of that stuff that actual doctors and nurses are saying sounds pretty basic. Does that sound revolutionary, Pastor Amanda? As opposed to what we do during flu season or something like that? No, this, yeah, and that's and you've heard, there's been a lot of of the um, experts say that the, just treat this a lot like you would treat the flu in the sense of how you prevent it and take care of yourself on the front end. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's nothing. It's it's scary because it's unknown. But yeah, yeah. All right, so. One of the questions that we need to answer is how serious should we take this? Each of us in the studio, we're going to answer that with just a single sentence and then share some of the things we've seen. But there's a lot of hype around this. But a lot of people are realizing, hey, you know, the media doesn't have a good reputation of being terribly honest with us about things until they want to. They don't have a good reputation of doing things other than crying wolf. So how serious should we really take this? So let's go around the studio and share our thoughts on that. Pastor Amanda. I think we should take this seriously, but also, like we've mentioned before, a lot of these preventative measures are things you should be doing anyways, like the idea of washing your hands with hot soapy water for at least 20 seconds. You should do that on a healthy day um, when the world it doesn't have diseases and things like that, which it always does. So that's why you should just always be washing your hands. You should never cough into your hands because, again, that's spread diseases. So these are just good basic hygiene things everyone should be practicing all the time. So some of this, there's no reason to freak out because it's pretty basic. Um, as far as like what I've seen with people freaking out a response, I was talking to um, a friend and she was saying how in her city that everyone was panicking and how easy it was to fall into that panic. Because even while they were at Costco or Sam's, that kind of, you know, big box store, they were getting all their stuff. They had only planned to get of things they needed, but they quickly realized their cart was filling up of extra and extra stuff because everyone else was getting extra and extra stuff. And so uh, falling into the panic can happen sometimes without us really noticing it because we just were feeding off that anxiety that's around us. So we have to be cautious of that. Pastor Mike, your thought? Well, you know, first of all, we take this extremely serious, That, but we must consciously employ good hygiene practices. And this is something that should be happening anyway. And um, we should already be doing that, but we do not need to live in a state of fear or panic. Okay. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Uh, so I'm taking it serious on a personal level as much as I can, I guess. Uh, so I need to ramp up as much personal hygiene while in public as possible, not touch things that I don't need to touch when I'm shopping for groceries or whatever else, you know, the shelves and whatever, mm -hmm. public things, buggies, um, and, you know, wash my hands afterwards. And uh, as far as public recommendations, how much, like, the world should take seriously, I'm going to leave that to the people who uh, are in charge of those sorts of things, airlines and all that stuff. I wouldn't make any recommendations for school systems or things like that. I don't know anything about those. All right, and my thoughts on this, and I know Dad has used the word like extremely serious. I, I think this is a real illness that has a real danger that's greater than the flu, but I I don't think we should let it be exaggerated. I, I think we should have precautions, but I think the hype around this is largely exaggerated. Moreover, I'm suspicious of the fact that the news media pushing the hype are, they're not medical experts, and their interest in the coronavirus is a strange new respect for human life when they typically aren't very interested in that. There's a lot of things that kill people in our society that they don't care about, and then suddenly they have a strange new respect of this. I'm, 
I very reserved. I, I have a temptation to just want to hit the eject button on the hype because of how things are. But at the same time, I realize it is a real illness and there's a real danger that's greater than the flu. But at the same time, don't buy into the great hype. Uh, I know I've seen a lot of hordes of emails over this. I've got one cancellation. I've seen some people going wild at Walmart. I don't know that all of that is merited, but that's kind of where we are. So, Pastor Mike, did you want to respond real quick? Yeah, when I said uh, I take it extremely serious is because I visit a lot of folks. And, you know, I take every type of illness serious in that I intentionally try to practice good hygiene at all yeah. times. So yeah, so that was it, the, the yeah, you should you should be doing context. that like, anyway. That's, yeah. yeah. All, the time. all right, so what is the Christian response to something like this? Uh, going back to the 1400s, if we go back to the 14th uh, century or 15th century, we find that there was a plague sweeping through Europe. There was a plague sleeping, sweeping across Italy. And there was a young lady named Frances, and she lost her whole family to the plague. So she personally knew how powerful the plague was. And what was her response to the illness? She turned her home into a hospital. Again, we look at someone like that, and this is St. Francis of Rome. Her motivation was not fear, but it was clearly Christ-like conviction. St. Patrick's Day is just around the corner, and a lot of people are talking about St. Patrick. And if you know his history, he was a slave who returned to the land of his slavery to minister to the lost. And by the standard of the world, this would be absolutely foolish because he was putting himself deliberately in the way of danger. If you're a runaway slave, the punishment for that is death. And where he's at with the Druid people in Ireland, when he goes back, there's a lot of people expecting him to be killed because he was a runaway slave. But nonetheless, he wants to do it anyway because he loves these people and he wants them to know Christ. He wants them to be saved. He wants them to experience that holy transformation. His motivation, it was not fear, but it was Christ-like conviction. Amen. So I want us to look now at some scripture on how Jesus relates to danger and what he did in the face of danger. So I want us to go now to the Garden of Gethsemane. We're getting close to Easter right now, and the Garden of Gethsemane is this moment where Jesus, he's praying, and he knows he is about to be betrayed. So I want us to read through some of these scriptures, and I'm going to be looking at the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 26, and I want us to pay attention to how Jesus responds to a mortal threat that he knows is there. So Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Verse 38, he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with the sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Picking up in verse 42, he went away for a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drank it, may your will be done. Now going to verse 45, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. In that text, we see Jesus, he takes on a new tone. That first prayer he says, you know, Lord, take this from me, but again, your will be done above all things. But by the second time he prays, he realizes the only way that this cup is going away is if I take it. And then he steps out of the garden. He goes and he wakes up his disciples. He says, look, the time has come. The hour is here. And he goes to face 
the great mortal threat that's there. He goes to face the music. He goes to step out to something which is going to be fundamental to changing the world for really all of eternity. But at the same time, the human side of Jesus feels the great weight of this looming tragedy. So Jesus actually was the conqueror that the Jewish people had waited for. However, his conquest was grander than the fickle ambitions of earthly kingdoms. In other words, he didn't just come to be another King David, because those are kind of temporary. Jesus came to actually be that conqueror, but what he came to conquer wasn't just some warring nation. It was death itself that he came to conquer. And we should never whitewash the gospel and think that it was an exercise in passivity where all conflict and danger were avoided. Again, the gospel was not an exercise in passivity where all conflict was avoided. We are called to be strong Christian men and women who rise to the occasion where we set our eyes on the call of God and we march forth without fear of death. The way of life, the adventure of holiness, it is surrounded by many wicked and unjust things that reach out to us and want us to rest with them and distract ourselves from our holy calling. But we must not. We must carry on with righteous living. So some questions on this. Master Amanda, what is Jesus' response to what is a clear threat of death? Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, well, we see in this story, uh, Jesus' answer is prayer. It's communion with God. And it is uh, fidelity, even in the midst of fear. Um, I, I think we're kind of kidding ourselves if we don't think Jesus was scared or, or worried. I mean, we obviously see that in this passage. I mean, we even see that on the cross. Um, but even in the midst of all those emotions and worries and things like that and anxiety, um, Jesus is faithful. Um, and endeavors to follow God and God's will even when it leads through uh, leads to and leads through death itself. Yeah. Mike, does God expect us to organize our lives around fear rather than righteousness? This whole idea that we just hit the button. We we walk away from the cup there in the garden. What does God expect us to do? How does he expect us to organize our lives? Yeah, well, definitely not to organize our life around fear. Uh, if our focus is fear, we miss the whole gospel message. Our focus should always be that of righteousness and the righteousness of Christ Jesus. We are saved by the works of Christ Jesus, and when we repent and turn towards God, we find ourselves in the household of God living with that mission and passion of Christ Jesus uh, that brings about righteousness in this world and reconciliation. And so... You know, the focus must always be towards Christ's righteousness, never towards fear of loss of life or something of that nature. Anthony, does God expect us to be foolish and look back at Sodom and Gomorrah once we've made it out? And what, what I mean by that, and I want to be clear on this, is should we exercise caution as we do carry on the adventure of holiness? As we, we walk the Christian walk, should we exercise caution? I <clears throat> definitely think so. And I also think another good instance of uh, showing the necessary caution in life is whenever Jesus is being tempted. You know, the first time he's told, hey, turn these stones into bread so that you can live. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. And then, uh, but on every word which comes out of the mouth of God. And then the devil's like, oh, okay, well, you're a little concerned about your body now. This is the way God wants it to be. Well, why don't you cast yourself from this cliff? And he'll send his angels to protect you because God cares about your body, right? And Jesus is like, no, don't test the Lord. And so I think here we can see a good example where we're supposed to have caution. We are supposed to use 
the faculties that God has given us and all the tools that God has given us for his glory. And so that means also, yes, we definitely do need to use caution. We don't need to throw it to the wind. Um, we definitely need to recognize God and his will and every word which has come out of his mouth first. That should be our priority. But incorporated within that is also the caution which he desires us to have. All right, I'm going to take some liberties as a host over here and let us take a quick buy, sell, or hold sidebar. Okay. All right, so Anthony brought up the temptation that Jesus has with the the diabolical and the devil in the wilderness. But there's a lot of people who make the case that this is that opportune time. Because, again, when when the the devil leaves, he's set to return at an opportune time. A lot of people say Gethsemane is that opportune time. Hmm. So going around the studio, buy, sell, or hold, this is a temptation here in Gethsemane. To, to walk away from the cup that Christ has to drink. Amanda? Yeah, I can I can buy that idea. I, I don't think I'd take it as far as, like, um, what's the book in the movie, uh, The Last Temptation of Christ. They've definitely, they took some, I think, uh, theatrical uh, liberties with that storyline. But Jesus was human. To be human is to be tempted, um, yet he prevailed over it. So, I, But I can definitely say that uh, I could buy the idea that that was kind of, satan's or the devil's or whatever you want to call that but that selfish pull towards preservation over all else yeah, yeah. all right so that's one buy pastor mike what are your thoughts i'm going to buy on that for sure and and I, I would also like to say that i think there are many temptations but yes that is definitely one and anthony since you're the one who got my mind going on this track what are you, are you going to buy sell a hold on that Funny thing is, I agree with Mike, but I'm going to sell for the same reason. <laughs> okay. So I definitely make, make think, me your case. I think that um, we would definitely, I think, be wasting our time to find one opportune time. And I would just say there's there's quite a few opportune times that are possible. Well, could, could would you say this is a opportune time of the, the tempter returning then? Can you make a case for that? I would say this is a, but <laughs> that's almost that's, that can be vague because I think there's lots of times in the Bible where you could say a. Okay, but but this would be included in that. But alas, we will move on. I'm, I, I mean, I'll buy it. I I throw it out there, so I'll I'll buy it. But let's let's get back to our topic. Um, so we we've kind of come from a couple of angles on this. Um, Jesus, he is faithful, as Pastor Amanda said, when he is faced with the mortal threat. Um, and as Mike said, you know, we're not to organize our lives around fear because you're going to miss the call of God if you do that. Anthony reminds us, but at the same time, you have to exercise caution. So Amanda. Give us some guidance on this. The gospel teaches us that there is a a straight and narrow road that's not, you know, full indulgence in the idolatrous world and whatever the God of the age demands of you. And then there's the other end, which just says, you know, be James Bond in the movie, pop up the shifter, hit the eject button, go and be a hermit and don't do anything. Um, how can we act reasonably mm-hmm. without dismissing this entirely? but also without getting on the crazy hype train. What What is yeah. that mature, middle way? I think um, it's to surround ourselves with get good sources. And so um, the good source, it could be making sure that the news we listen to is not just commentators, but is professionals and whatever that thing is. For now, we're talking about the coronavirus, but whether it's a political issue or a natural disaster or anything like that, surround yourself with, with good sources and of course also the ultimate source which is communion with god um that can help us to be well-informed people within the communities that we find ourselves 
And so we know what's going on. We're not removing ourselves completely from the world. At the same time, it also keeps us from just, like you said, getting on the bandwagon of crazy hype and anxiety. And sometimes sometimes it's obvious. We can point our fingers at it and like we can kind of make fun of the people who are stockpiling toilet paper and be like, you're insane. But we can also recognize maybe if we're in the store and we're like, maybe I should grab that extra box of toilet paper. Like, So and, we, we've got to, th- those evaluations should be happening moment by moment. Yeah, we say that now, but in like <laughs> six months, we're all going to look like Mad Max, the road warrior. But instead of them having, you know, the convoy with the fake roll of toilet paper on one tractor trailer truck, the, the, the school bus filled with the toilet paper is going to be going off into the And I don't know sunset. why it's toilet paper. But yeah, that's the, that's the turning point for, for life right. and death in the corona world. But I will say, you did bring up something that I do want to emphasize on a serious yes. note. God is the ultimate source. Jesus's initial impulse in this moment is to start praying. He mm-hmm. prays in that moment. We should not think of God being like, well, you know, I turned on the there's cable news that didn't give me what, so I turn on local news that didn't give me what I want. Maybe I'll go like pray to God about this. No, we should start and have our lives organized around a healthy spiritual life. Um, but to the point of it is difficult to find um, difficult sources out there. And Pastor Mike, we look at our world, we can tell there's definitely a lot of crying wolf that goes in there. A lot of people want to pretend like they're not commentators when they are. Um, There's an absence of credible news in our world. Should people just minimize their exposure to the hype train? That's just a general rule. What what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yes. There's no doubt that people's lives are oversaturated by the media that is sometimes not credible. So you're not getting credible sources on part of this at times. And then, you know, just the oversaturation of it is, I think, somewhat harmful. I think one of the things we can do to limit our exposure is is to limit our news media for one thing, but spend that same amount of time as a counteractive to that is to be in prayer and scripture, uh, reading scripture and, and focusing on how to respond in a godly Christ-like way. Yeah, absolutely. So Pastor Mendit, one of the accusations that has been thrown at the church, typically from people who hate the church throughout the, the history of it, is that the church is merely a medicine for fear. It's an opiate for the masses. However, historically, we see something different to this. We see the church grows the most when its members are being martyred. Again, you look back and you see people were being baptized and coming to the faith in mass when they saw Christians being martyred. You look to the history of the church and you find there are numerous cases where young ladies like St. Agnes or St. Faith, they're being executed publicly for entertainment. And the very soldiers who just killed them, whether they put them on like a, a griddle to cook them to death, or they, they put them on a hot iron to kill them, or whatever it may be. A lot of those soldiers turned around and accepted Christ on the spot, only then to be killed and beheaded themselves for their new Christian faith. Hmm. You know, was that fear that was driving people to God? What what really was taking people towards God and just in those moments? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Right. Well, I think, like you said, it seems to be this accusation against Christianity and really religion in general or any kind of spirituality comes from those outside of it trying to discredit it. Um, and, and also, yeah, the idea that, that Christianity would somehow pacify fear, again, it's a rather uh, modern idea with Christianity as it grew in power and kind of social standing. But we do see in the early church, and we still see it today, uh, where the Christ of, or the call of Christ is to come and die, is to take up your cross. And I know, again, in kind of most of Western Christianity, we say take the cross, and we're usually talking about something annoying or like, oh, they're just my cross to bear. But 
really what Jesus was saying is the most gruesome way and the most uh, humiliating way that you can die, um, giving up all life and all control. This is what you're supposed to do when you, you follow Christ. And it does call us to weird and strange and dangerous places. Yeah. Um, the way they described God in uh, the early, or I think it was like the mid-1800s, and or yeah, the mid to late 1700s and the 1800s, where you have the great revivals and the great awakenings, was come and encounter this dangerous and entertaining God, which is just a fantastic dichotomy uh, to think about when we talk about our God. But there is something quite fascinating, but also something that requires death. Um, but also, thanks be to God, death has been redefined. Yeah. You know, we have that hymn in the Nazarene hymnal, Come and Dine. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the master calleth now, come and dine. It's, it's got references in there to turning water into wine. Probably wouldn't be as pop popular as a hymn if it was come and die. Yeah. And, you know, you and it <laughs> went into the gruesome details of, of what happens on the cross. Probably wouldn't be as popular. Um, but Pastor Mike, did Jesus close up his ministry in the face of danger, or did Jesus deliberately go into dangerous places to minister to those who were in need? You know, if we respond to fear by structuring our lives around fear, then we're going to give a victory to the tempter, are we not? And again, when I'm talking about this, I want to have a disclaimer. I mean real fear, not somebody accusing you of something because that's just manipulation. But are we giving a victory to the tempter if we structure our lives around fear? Well, absolutely. And, you know, Jesus was no doubt in the face of the cross. And I think that is where you're asking, you know, did he close up his, his ministry in, in the human body there? And not the, you're not talking about the resurrection body of ministry. But, yes, he was in the face of uh, the cross and, and experienced great danger. But, God, uh, but Jesus, as God and as human, because what he did in his God nature, he also did in his human nature, did not turn away from the danger. But he was obedient and, and he was passionate about the mission and purpose that God the Father had had uh, called him to. And so, yes, uh, um, we should never give in to that fear to the, to the enemy to give him a victory because our victory stands in Christ Jesus who lived that example all the way to the cross and in the resurrection. Amen. And Pastor Amanda, just wrapping up our conversation, I know you talked a little bit about finding that middle way earlier, but could you just rehash? If someone is out there, they're worried about coronavirus or whatever fear they could have in life, you know, what, what advice would you give to someone? You know, these are not all or nothing situations where you just hit the button to dismiss and, and end it all, sort of almost the suicidal response. And it's not the alternative to that is not the get on the hype train and go totally clinically crazy over it. I mean, what what is the mature middle way? I think, again, stay informed, but don't let it control your life. Stay informed, but leave the results to God. I mean, that's all we can do. We can be obedient. We can be responsible. But in the end, uh, God alone decides what happens to the universe. So yeah. um, we trust and, and we move on from there. Yeah. And I think just that's that's where we are. Be mm -hmm. spiritually mature about this. Everything's a spiritual matter. How you respond to the coronavirus is a spiritual matter. Um, you know, we, we've been saying that for a while on this program, but everything really is a spiritual matter. So be spiritually mature and don't tune into the hype. Final thoughts as we wrap up our program today. I just got an email from our general board of superintendents telling us basically everything we've discussed that... Uh, uh, be prepared, but we trust God. So I just thought that was funny. It just popped up on my iPad as we were discussing. Yeah. Uh, even the general board of superintendents is is uh, telling us to 
Good, good. Loads of emails. Loads of emails. Loads so of emails many about emails. I, my bank has been giving me emails about this stuff, like some online banking about it, and it's just crazy. Wow, your bank cares more about you than does me. No. <laughs> well, I, I even got like a Pokemon Go email about Pokemon Go is not going out or something like that, and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't even do Pokemon Go. Like it's been That's totally crazy. crazy. Um, but I think it was from like a gaming website or something oh, okay. that sent the email. I don't think it was from whatever company does that but nonetheless it's been crazy yeah even pokemon are affected by the coronavirus even pikachu can't get away and meow pastor mike your final thoughts well i think we can take this uh situation use it as an opportunity to intentionally uh focus on the instructions that god's got us to to be people uh of cleanliness and and to focus on our on god but use and practice great hygiene in our life at the same time we are not caused to be a people of panic that we have god sitting on the throne and that you know that is where we're going to find our, our victory and so uh, there's great joy there's great peace in knowing that and there are many things that we need to be uh, focusing our energy on the other thing in this is a situation that requires an opportunity for us to pray for um, you know good Christian scientists and um, people who are working on vaccines and things of that nature and so there's a res- there's an opportunity for God's people to, to respond and to um, um, fight the, the battles of things like this so. absolutely Anthony you got any final thoughts um, <clears throat> I would say that uh I do think that we may come actually I don't think that we will but who knows perhaps it's possible that we come into a time of like scarcity and things like that that it seems a lot of these people are very scared of the people who are like hoarding toilet paper which is kind of funny if you have one concern for the end times one of them is going to be toilet paper I guess for some people but um, it won't even be toilets though if the world really ends but anyways hey, let's in, keep going indoor plumbing is important <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just having a laugh at it. But either way, um, you know, we're taught as Christians not to store the things up in our houses here on earth where the moth can destroy it, but to uh store things up in the heavenly kingdom. So, you know, it, if there is times of scarcity, I hope that we Christians can remember to be charitable and generous as our father is. And that's all I was saying. You, you know, and talk about we talk about stuff metaphorically. Moths would probably love some toilet paper. <laughs> I would imagine that that seems like something a moth would really enjoy. I don't know. I don't stop. Well, but let, let's have a, <laughs> a final let, let's have a final buy sell a whole question because we okay. for two weeks now things have come up that have caused us to postpone our study of the seven deadly lies within the church. Will we finish the seven deadly lies in the church? We have two left to go. Will we finish those two Fridays from now? Buy sell a whole. They will be done two Fridays oh, from now. Man. Buy sell a whole. I don't know. Um, I hope so. I'll go with buy. A hopeful buy. A hopeful buy. buy. I like that. I like aspirations. Hopeful buy. <laughs> Pastor Mike. I'm going to sell. <laughs> I don't want to not be um, an aspiration. You're just aspiration. anticipating something coming up. I'm anticipating you? something. Yes. And, and it's definitely, I don't think it's going to be. Um, and, you know, this conversation is not just about the coronavirus. This is really about the reaction to the mm. hype. Yeah. And so I think there's going to be oh, yeah. something yeah. else that's going to um, postpone. Anthony, who is smiling like a donkey eating salt rocks, um, just happy over there. Do you buy, sell, or hold? We will be done with these programs in in two weeks. Sell. Two, sell. 
<laughs> oh, dang. You know, okay. I was going to sell at the beginning of this, but the fact that I've seen two-thirds of the the others be so pessimistic and depressed, I'm going to side with Amanda. I'm going to be aspirational and buy. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily and believe and myself. are not pessimistic, yeah. by the way. We, we are making... A opportunity out of the situation, and that's where we feel called. We're not afraid say, to sell. I, what if we're optimists here? We're not. All right, yeah, well, we're regardless, as someone who likes order and things <laughs> to be meticulously planned out, I'm going to be aspirational in the order. I'm not afraid to sell. Uh, I don't live in fear. My instinct me. is telling me to sell, but <laughs> my, my heart is telling me to buy. I think, though, even if next week... We don't do the seven deadly lies. Stanley Stinkup probably just needs to come up for a check you know, he to make sure does he's Stanley. okay. We, you know, we actually should. We should make sure he doesn't have yeah. coronavirus. Hey, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure he's sick. That's why he wasn't here, guys. He <laughs> you know what? Quarantined. <laughs> there was a he call earlier. Did you do a hand-washing seminar? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's probably this. if he did a hand-washing seminar... And if people who know me, it would not be the first hand-washing seminar he's done before. He's actually done one if, before. If you are interested in Stanley Stankup leading us in a hand-washing seminar, please, Again. please email us. Please, yes. <laughs> yes. At, at please. kingdomofthelawgoss at outlook.com, um, please let Stanley yes. teach bodily hygiene. Um, with that being said, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Pastor Amanda, can you close us in prayer yes, today? Yes, let us pray. Heavenly Father... Make your presence and your peace known. And as uh, we have heard the, your scripture, as you've heard um, us pastors speak, may these words uh, be a comfort to those who hear them. And uh, may we remember the words of Jesus as uh, before he began his high priestly prayer. He says, I have told you things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Be with your people, we pray. Amen. 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 With that, God love you and have a blessed day.